This is episode 110 of the Landscape Photography Show, and before we get into the show, I just want to thank those who have subscribed on Patreon. Now, on Patreon, not only do you get to support the podcast and just show your appreciation and help it continue going week after week with a monthly subscription payment of $5, 10 or $20 a month, but with each one of those payments, you get access to bonus and exclusive audio from the podcast episodes with our guests. This is audio that I record after the podcast is over and we dive deeper into some of the topics. Now you can go to patreon.com slash David Johnston to subscribe, support the podcast and get access to those things plus other bonus benefits that you get with each tier. So go to patreon.com slash David Johnston to sign up for those. Today we're talking with Deepan Jean Paul, and and I met Deepan Jean when we started interacting over on Twitter, and he's a fantastic photographer. Could not be the nicer person that you hear in this podcast episode. Very generous. I mean, I just was really excited to talk to him, and and I think I, I want to try to feature more photographers in other countries. I think it's so easy to get into the the framework of interviewing U.S. and Euro photographers and, and their style, but when we start bringing in other nationalities, other countries into the discussion, recently we've had a lot of discussions with Australian photographers, we've had some other Indian photographers on the podcast as well, when you start to introduce those other cultures and ideas and kind of just appreciation for for different things in landscape, I I think it enriches your overall view of landscape photography and and creativity in general. So Dimanjan and and I are going to talk a lot about what he sees in the landscape, how he sees Indian photography progressing, do they get the recognition that they deserve, and of course, we have to talk about Indian food as well. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into the podcast. We're joined by Deepanjan, joining us from India tonight for him, this morning for me. Deepanjan, how are you doing? Hi, David. I'm doing fine. Uh, what about you? I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain. Had my morning coffee and uh, ready to talk some photography with you. Why don't you get us started, though, on the same page? Just if anyone is unfamiliar with you, kind of give us your journey into photography, you know, how you got started in it, what sparked your interest and and what led you to where you are right now. Definitely. So uh, I think it all started back in 2014. I, I just bought a camera out of my interest. I, I really had uh, no idea that I'll be getting into photography or something. I was doing my major in statistics back in 2014 so i i just bought a camera took a few pictures i was kind of happy with it but then i figured out that there are some parts of the picture that sometimes are blown out and i i didn't really know how to edit pictures at that moment so i thought that maybe i had to do everything right in the camera and i i didn't do something and that's why probably the picture is lacking like i didn't really have any idea that you could 
recover the highlights or increase the shadows or anything like that so that kind of got me interested that maybe at the time of taking the photo i what i thought was perfect was actually not uh maybe i should just put more time into it just to, to see how it goes and uh, it was i think 2016 uh, I, I took my first trip that was a trek in the himalayas i was very excited that i was carrying my camera went ahead took a lot of pictures came home to find out that i think 60 percent of the images were out of focus like they were all blurred and i was thinking that they look all fine because uh, they look pretty sharp in the small camera screen and uh, it ended up being all blurred so again another bummer like i thought that maybe i'm not doing something right and then i really kind of thought that maybe this is the time to learn what it is and how can i get all the all the good and sharp pictures like how does everyone do it so i started digging deeper which led me to the rabbit hole named instagram i joined instagram to find out that a lot of people are taking amazing photos I had no idea. I just followed a bunch of people from all around the world. I started following their journeys, their pages. I started to see a lot of photography, a lot of photographs. And this actually got my first exposure to photography. That was in 2016 after I came back from my trip to the Himalayas. So I kind of uh, started liking it. A lot that I, I saw some pictures of the Milky Way and I was surprised that you can actually point your camera at the night sky and take a picture like this. I was amazed. So I started digging deeper, uh, search a lot in YouTube to see how it works and kind of try to understand the science behind it. How does the aperture or shutter speed, how does it work? What does it do and everything? Of course, I had a very basic entry-level camera at that time. And I, I kind of tried to do everything that I could. But then again, like I also saw a trend uh, among my friends who were interested in photography that all of them wanted to just take their camera and go out and shoot like within the city they would go out uh, to uh, to a river to a riverside or to uh, any nice streets temples uh, the markets and they would just shoot pictures and for me i kind of like always wanted to go to some places like i just i, I learned my stuff but i wanted to go to either the mountains or the beaches or some sometimes to a trek like I would also always wait. I would never go out with my camera every day. I would just always wait that maybe I'm making that trip in three months, and uh, that is when I will have to get everything correct. I I I I never really. I don't know why I never really had the urge to take my camera and go out in the cities. Uh, I think I was more 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 mostly made. Uh, for landscape photography i don't know so that's uh, how i got started and the first trip the first proper photography trip that i did that was in 2018 uh, that was to a place called spiti it's a very remote desert kind of a place in 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 the himalayan region in northern india so i went there uh, with the sole intention of taking the photos of milky way like you can imagine like someone who got 
like 50 to 60 percent of his photos out of focus in the last trip is dreaming to take pictures of the night sky or the milky way uh in in her next in the next trip so i mean that's how it happened like i i didn't really have any uh, places to go in between i think uh, i went to a couple of places i'm not sure but uh nothing which was focused on photography but for the one in 2018 that was completely focused on photography. So I went there. It was uh, like I, I bought a lot of gear specifically for that trip. And I would be using all of that gears for the first time. Like first time on the field. Like I never used a tripod. I never used a wide angle lens. I never shot the night sky. And I did all of that in my trip to 2018. And I made sure that this time I don't end up uh, I don't end up messing everything all my settings so I, I i did spend a lot of time in learning everything because i knew that i have like seven days window to get everything correct and i don't know when i'm traveling next so uh that was actually in 2017 not 18 so in 2017 i did my uh trip to spiti uh and i was kind of successful like now that I see all the pictures in the of the of national and international photographers, I would say my pictures were decent at best. But at that moment, it felt like a victory because uh, I I never really had photos that good. So I came home to show those photos to my parents, my friends, and everybody started saying that how good the photos are, and that kind of just hooked me into it. Like that was the. Uh, that was just, like that was me just digging down the rabbit hole and uh, from then on it just completely started and uh, i i think uh, another turning point in my career would be uh, one day in 2018 uh, i was in my office i was just browsing a, a, a second hand store uh, and i saw that some people listed their drones for a very cheap price and i was wondering like i i didn't really wanted to buy a drone at that time like i had plans uh that maybe someday i'll be able to afford a drone and i'll be buying one uh maybe in six months maybe in 12 months i didn't have any immediate plans of buying a drone but after seeing that lucrative price tag i was really interested and i i did contact a lot of them uh over the chat uh feature that's that was there in the app that uh are you really selling your mavic pro for this much amount of money and then they all said they agreed and i i ended up meeting a, a couple of them like i think one of the meeting was cancelled and the second time i met like which is also the first time i'm seeing someone with a drone uh i was not there to buy the drone i was just there to see the drone check it out how it works and everything and the guy was a cinematographer from switzerland so he was in in an assignment in mumbai and at that time i think a new version of drone has just launched and that's why like people were selling their older versions for a cheaper price so i kind of took advantage of that i was there to check out the drone but i liked it so much uh, I, I was not at a position to afford the drone at that time so i asked my friend that are you ready to chip in and uh, maybe we can share and buy the drone and then he agreed. So we went to the ATM at that moment. We took out the money 
uh like it's it's not possible to take the entire money at one go so we uh went like four to five times to take the entire money out and then we paid and we just bought the drone at that moment like it was probably the most impulsive decision i've ever made like i had no plans of buying the drone i just went there to check it out liked it so much then i ended up buying it came back with the drone and uh that was the beginning of my love with aerial photography like uh I started shooting with the drone and it it just it just felt so much better than using a camera I don't know why uh maybe because I had the freedom of going anywhere while also standing at one place uh that is how it got got started so I mean then I started taking small trips with uh, my drones to all uh, all the weekend getaways like we uh, were fortunate that i was living in a city named mumbai and uh, during the monsoon like the monsoon lasts for 3 months in in mumbai and and during the entire monsoon you have a lot of options to travel to which are like a 2 to 3 hours drive from mumbai so every weekend uh, like every friday night or uh, saturday morning we would just pack our bags pack our camera take the drone and we'll just go somewhere like we didn't have any plans of particularly going to this place and everything like we would just make our plans on maybe thursday or friday and then just leave for it so that's how it started like i i started using my drone a lot i kind of used uh, uh i i i kind of used to go to a local uh, nearby field where i could practice my drone so that i gain more controls of it uh and 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 i just started liking it so much i started using the drone like 70 to 80% of the times like i almost stopped using my camera in those uh, weekend trips because everything uh like everywhere i go most of the places are captured thousands of times by other photographers uh almost from every every angle like i feel that most of the places are done and dusted but from drone you always have a fresh and new perspective so that is uh that's how it moved after i started and then i had this dream of going to iceland for a long time so what i did is i started saving for to afford one iceland trip i did all my research for like 6 7 months and then i decided that uh, i i haven't been anywhere uh, out of india at that time anywhere outside so then i decided that maybe my first trip is going to be iceland so i saved as much as i could i stopped going for those weekend travels and everything and uh, for 6 months we saved uh, me and my friend exactly the friend who uh, bought and co-owned the drone with me so he was of course very supportive from the very beginning uh, we made our plans just to through of us uh, we i I, he, i mean i never stepped out of the country and uh, it was kind of a bold decision at that time to just travel to iceland which is like thousands and thousands of kilometers away from my country uh, i think i had to take two three flights three flights spanning 24 hours to reach iceland only so uh, i i did and uh, it was like a leap of faith at that time i did a trip to iceland for 17 days i came back with photos that i still are some of the best photos of my life and after i came back i started just showing my work 
all around like to the social media to other uh, other places like sending to competitions and and kind of that's how i got started like that's how it is at the moment because after iceland i was not fortunate enough to travel to a lot of places due to covid i got stuck for like two years and uh, i also had a medical emergency at my family but uh, right now i mean after uh, after the covid scare is over more or less so i hope that 2022 is going to be a year i i get to enjoy a lot more of aerial photography all over the world how is how is your beginning in photography and I mean, your whole story and journey kind of revolved around this one theme that I just heard you talk about, and that is being impulsive and taking leaps of faith along the way. How has that impacted your life in just the last few years of of being a photographer? Uh, To be honest, I think uh, buying the drone was probably the best impulsive decision I've made. it had not impacted my life in any negative way for that matter. Like I booked a trip to Iceland. I know that I'm doing something risky, maybe scary to my parents and maybe others. Uh, They were a little concerned. Uh, My girlfriend was a little concerned that I'm traveling to a place which is very, very, very far away. But after the end result, like after the kind of photos I'm back with, I don't think anybody complained. And uh, I think I think it was probably one of the best decisions I've taken that just to save all my money and to leave for Iceland rather than uh, going for smaller trips around my country. How is the, the Indian photography community? Like, wh- what is it like? Uh, to be honest, uh, I feel that a lot of Indian photography community is surrounded around Instagram. Uh, I, like I mentioned, like I'm still in the very, very early stages of my career. Like I have made like three, four photography trips properly uh, with all the gears and with all the knowledge. But You're uh, being humble though in, in saying that. I mean, in just three years, you've had a pretty meteoric rise in being published in BBC, Nat Geo, others winning... Uh, second place, I believe, in photo of the year and photography of photographer of the year. Uh, yeah. So I mean, that was just me being fortunate. I would say that uh, in Iceland, like that was just one trip where I had the opportunity to make images to my choice, and I ended up making a unique image. I think maybe I'll talk about that particular image in a while, but it's just that I ended up making one image which turned out to be one of the best one of my best works ever so that is kind of the image which uh drove all the success uh in terms of being published in other uh newspapers and in terms of winning multiple awards but i would be honest uh in saying that i'm still in the very very early stages because to be honest uh out of india i've only had one photography trip which is uh iceland for for more than half a month uh i have a lot of plans of traveling here and there but none of them uh could be materialized due to due to covid and other stuff and i i hope to go ahead and more more and more into it like i have shot a lot maybe in my surroundings in my local areas uh like 
like the weekend getaways i i did go to a lot of weekend getaways and that kind of helped uh helped me in understanding everything uh in terms of the photography uh in terms of the settings and everything but uh other than that i'm still very very early uh i would i would say and and about the photography community that you were asking i think i feel that most of it is surrounded by instagram uh we have uh, a culture of like instagram influencers over here like people uh, because you know the kind of uh, population that we have so you would find lots and lots of photographers uh, in in a city i lived in uh, in mumbai lots and lots of them are focused on mostly creating brand contents uh, that is like and they have like uh, 100 200k followers uh, i feel that there is a very handful of uh, people who are focusing in photography for the art of it uh, because of course like if you are being a photographer you'll also have to make sure that you are financing yourself sufficiently uh, that is probably why a lot of people a lot of photographers are focused on creating brand based contents but then again like uh, it's a huge country you do have a lot of talents all over the country uh, where there are great great photographers who are who didn't doesn't really have a lot of followers in instagram but i mean overall uh, i have seen that uh, in the late, last few years uh the amount of photographers coming into instagram mostly because of the smartphones having this exceptionally well equipped camera uh so the amount of photographers that are there increased many fold uh in the, in the recent years there were i mean in the pre covid times there were regular uh that insta meet that is going to happen which is like some some place where like a bunch of photographer would meet from the city they would just go hang out and everything there used to be a very very vibrant community which didn't really happen after after covid but i mean with things getting cleared off hopefully i mean they will uh, again resume in the next year hopefully does that community that you're involved in the the photographers in india who are doing it for art's sake um do they get the recognition that they deserve globally uh i would not say so like the precisely a lot of people are taking photos and not a lot of them think about monetizing their photo like that is precisely why they're living off the brand contents like making the brand contents because that is how they are financing their uh their career like that is how they are proceeding with their career so uh i feel that uh on a daily basis there are so many outstanding photographs that are being made by photographers based everywhere in india like some of them are going i, I mean are i'm i'm really amazed with the quality uh, and not just the quality i mean uh I I would say those are images which would stand the test of time like 5 years down the line 10 years down the line uh, one might say a regular top down drone shot as very repetitive because they would see a lot of top down drone shots in in the next 10 years but there are some shots that i've seen by uh, indian photographers that i think could really really test uh, stand the test of time and sometimes uh, the best images may not get appreciated well enough in instagram and uh, and people have moved towards because like instagram has been one of the major apps and one of the major source of business for all the photographers and people have slowly moved towards reels as well like which kind of disappoints me that 
people who started taking photos because they liked it now have the reels shoved down their throat because an app believes that is the future and that is why you will have to change your entire style like you'll have to shoot vertically you'll have to edit small videos you'll have to like sync your uh how many 27 images to a random tune like i mean i'm surprised how reels have picked up in, in all over instagram but i mean that is how it is like every day like there are a handful of people uh, who are into nfts from india like a handful of uh, photographers but most of them are still living in the era of instagram where they are taking great images but still producing reels every day and uh, and just uh, going on with their life i mean lot and lots and lots of great photos are just being are just being i wouldn't say how how can i explain this like they are just being drowned they're just drowning in the sea of photos that are being posted every day so i don't think they get the sufficient attention they deserve I think globally, the the view for India, the stereotype that it is, is if you go there, it's primarily going to be focused on street photography, markets, architecture, um, different various combinations of those subjects within the photograph. What what areas would you say, or what ideas should people go into traveling to India with when they have something like landscape or nature photography in mind? So in terms of landscape and nature photography, because the whole of like, uh, we are a country where the division is very evident. Like the entire north of India is covered in, uh, I mean, is, is the Himalayas, right? So most of our landscape photograph like i i believe that landscape photograph could be made at any places but most of the landscape and nature oriented photographers are traveling to the northern parts of india and uh, these are the there are states like kashmir there are states uh, like uh, something called himachal pradesh uh, which are very very popular in terms of landscape photography and there are so many different places because because of the himalayas and uh, i mean i mean that has kind of single handedly boosted the entire uh, landscape photography sector i would say like in india if you are thinking about landscape photography the first thing that comes to your mind is the himalayas now the himalayas stretch over like thousands and thousands of kilometers you would have like four to five states five different states from where you can uh, go to the himalayas and they're pretty far away like one of them is eastern uh, two of them are eastern states of india and three of them are northern states of india and and in the himalayas you have just like ample opportunities of taking amazing images like it is it's just endless and uh, most of the places are uh, less explored and uh, there is also another great thing about India is that you can go to a lot of treks in Himalayas. Like you understand that if you go to a popular landscape photography spot, it might happen that it's crowded with people taking photos. Like there is a place called, it's named Tiger Hill from where you can catch the sunrise on one of the mountains. So if you ever go to Tiger Hill, you would find out that there are like 2,000 people with you trying to take the same sunrise. I mean, uh, 2,000 people would be going 
back with same sort of photos at the end of the day but in the himalayas you have the opportunity of actually going for different treks like these are spanning from 2 3 days up to 10 15 days and these will take you to the remote places inside the mountains where i mean there is absolutely no way of going other than walking and hiking and i have been to only one trek uh that was back in 2016 the one where i got started with photography and it feels surreal when you are actually in there uh because the amount of opportunities that you get to compose different images and take different elements it's it's outstanding and it feels like you're just going inside the mountains like you're going very very close to the mountains and there are just like the opportunities are endless for that I mean definitely someone who comes to India with a mindset of uh going for landscape and nature photography I would definitely suggest the Himalayas be it in any state and uh, if it's possible to do and go for like a 7 to 8 days Himalayan trek there are so many different options available at the moment starting from 2 to 3 days up to 15 20 days so I mean definitely go for a trek go for a trek in into the wild in in places where you don't have the mobile network where you have like handful of people 10 15 people around you i mean that is how you soak into the nature while also getting into land, i mean while also uh getting to enjoy landscape photography i would say let me ask you this you know i'm i'm a i'm a newbie when it comes to indian food i'll be honest with you but i'm loving what i'm what i'm having so far if i'm coming to india or let's say i'm going to an indian owned indian restaurant what are some of the things that that i can order that i'm not talking like chicken tikka masala like okay i've had it it's like in the uk it's all over um yeah. I want something that's a little more off the, off the trail, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, got it. So it, it's it's a huge country, and uh, we have like twenty nine states, and almost almost every state have their have their I mean special food items which are specific to that state. Like the southern part of India is popular for something called dosa. it's like masala dosa so it's it's i mean i mean dosa is something that you can have for breakfast lunch dinner whatever like it's it's a meme that we have that people in south india are having dosas for every meal and and that's kind of maybe maybe it could be true like if you are in south india you might go for that but in terms of the uh, like that's the southern part it's it's just mainly popular by that and there is the northern part which is popular for some something called it's called mughlai cuisine uh it includes but it's not limited to chicken tikka masala but it includes it and uh i'm not sure if you heard this this is probably the most popular indian dish outside of india it's called biryani mm-hmm. i i i can't uh, tell you how much i love biryani myself and and there are lots i mean as you travel across india there are different parts different types of biryani that you can have like i think i i read a read it in an article somewhere that india produces like 64 different types of biryani 
like there are different styles in how they are cooked how the uh, spices change how uh, the theme of the biryani changes and everything but it is predominantly like two three different types that are being had all over the world so biryani is something which is like i can have at any day i mean that is probably the best uh, i would say and to pair with that there is another thing called kebabs hmm. i'm not sure again uh, if you've heard of it it is it is just uh, it is just chicken uh, being cooked in the flames okay so it's not like you're cooking the chicken on a saucepan or or or, or any pans or anything you're just cooking in the heat and i mean you're just uh, it's called tandoor or kebab like it's there are different versions of it like i'm not getting into the intricate details but kebab is something that you should definitely have and uh, and with biryanis like uh, i understand that uh, the idea of biryani that you might be having in the states is is a lot different it's it's completely different uh, probably I, yeah I, I, I have seen, because a lot of my friends are actually in the United States at the moment, I have seen a lot of people having biryanis and they mentioned, because they are coming, they are going from here, right? And they mentioned that the biryanis is tasteless. And uh, I understand that, like, uh, the there are certain states of India, like the northern states are popular for the biryanis, like the northern and the eastern one. So in the northern states, you would probably find the finest of all biryanis ever. and what happens in uh, in in the other countries or where there is any other indian restaurant is that you just get uh, you just get a different version of it like it's not really biryani per se it just looks like biryani and it's being termed as biryani so if you have if you ever have an authentic biryani it has this beautiful smell uh, which probably is absent in any any of the places that you might be having a biryani from right now so i think that would be my number one food for the rest of my life if anyone wants to taste and uh, go ahead with indian foods and especially if they're non-vegetarian i would definitely recommend uh, biryanis to begin with and also pair with that the kebabs these are again uh, these are again uh, i think very specific to north india and it's kind of like an appetizer that you that you would have uh, before the biryani so that you can or you can have along with the biryani like i do <laughs> but uh, i mean th- those are those are two of my primary recommendations uh, when it comes to indian restaurants and again like as i mentioned because it's a fast country indian restaurant could mean anything like here we have different types of restaurant like something which is north indian south indian eastern indian western indian like everyone have the different cuisines but something which comes under indian restaurants i'm not sure if they serve all kind of all kinds of food but uh if, if they do then definitely go for the biryanis first and also try out the dosa maybe because uh it's it's something it's it's different it's unique and i kind of love it so i mean <laughs> that's that's what i would recommend I, I spent some time in Nairobi and they have a large Indian population there and a lot of Indian cuisine kind of paired with East African cuisine, which was fascinating to me. I'm a little bit of a foodie myself and I, I made, like you said, the, the spice and the flavor of biryani in the United States is kind of muted. I've always doubled the amount of spice that any recipe is called for. 
And so I, I go to Nairobi. I see like Indian uh, meals on the menu. And I was like, I want this and I want it extra spicy because that's what I'm used to doing in the States. And that was a massive mistake. Uh, yeah, I mean, that is like if you we if you ever call something to be extra spicy where they serve authentic indian food you're going to regret it like even i when i go to a restaurant like i particularly do not like something which is very very hot and spicy so i kind of particularly mention that, that please go light on the spices because otherwise it would be impossible for me to handle impossible for my taste bud to handle this and i have had a lot of people who are actually i've met a lot of people from my office who were actually traveling from United States or from Europe. Like they were not really used to Indian foods. They are loving it at the beginning. And then they go for the spicy one. Then they take that uh, leap of faith and they're like, let's go and have this spicy one and let's see what it is. And then they would somehow eat it, but they would still regret it the next day. Like and they were like, no, Indian spice is is a lot for me to handle, and 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 I, I agree with that. That if you really have spicy food over here, I mean that that is unimaginable. This is a photography podcast. I digress from the food <laughs> conversation. Um, for for you, I, I want to go back to that photo you mentioned that was published so much and that you did win the awards for. Um, and, and I'll, I will put it in, uh, the, the write up for this podcast, if that's okay with you. Um, take us through shooting that photograph and also looking at it when you, when you got home and and looking at it on your screen and going through, did you know what you had at the time and, and how big it was going to be? Uh, exactly. So this is actually one of my favorite stories to tell. So uh, I I wrote a blog post about it long back, uh, I, but I'll still tell you the process. So uh, me and my friend, we were uh, we were driving in Iceland, and uh, he was driving. I was just looking out out of the window. We were crossing a bridge. And uh, every time I cross a bridge, because I know that there are rivers underneath, and you have seen how good the rivers on Iceland look like. So every time we would cross a bridge, I would look at my right and left to see how the river patterns are. Is it something worth taking my drones off? Because I have limited batteries. So I, I saw that this is a pretty interesting uh, river. And what I particularly me- uh, remember noticing was that the blue color of the water. It was so blue and so rich and vividly blue that it was like, I mean, you could see it with your own eyes while you're, you're traveling by that place. So I kind of saw that and thought that maybe if I can get some colors, it would be pretty good in post-processing. And I stopped my, like my friend stopped my car at the next stop, uh, at the next uh, point where you could park the car at the side of the road. And I took off my drone. The reason was not particularly for that photo. Like I didn't have that photo in my mind, didn't have anything in plan. My uh, plan was to take, like it was very close to a very popular mountain in uh, Iceland. Uh, So my plan was to, take aerial pictures of that mountain because I've seen a lot of people do it and I wanted to fly the drone at the same place. So while I was traveling, it was a little far away from that place while I was traveling and uh, flying my drone from my place to that near closer to the mountain, my camera of the drone was pointed downwards. So that's typically what I do while when I have to fly my drone somewhere far away 
to take a photo that I just point the camera downwards and I see what's there underneath me. And while I was crossing that particular area, I noticed that the blue is so outrageous that I've never seen that kind of blue. So I thought that maybe this could go for a nice picture. And I, I kind of stopped my drone at that point. I My focus was to take the picture of the mountain, but I completely forgot about that at the moment. I stopped my drone. I kind of adjusted it here and there, took a few compositions. And uh, I was kind of trying to time it in a way that I have a car placed. Uh, I mean, I was also taking a picture of a bridge, uh, the same bridge that we crossed while I saw the river. So I was trying to take the picture of the bridge and I wanted to place a car at a, at a particular place, uh, but uh, it was not just happening. Like either there would be like three, four cars, either there would be cars from other side coming in. So I waited a while and uh, I didn't have the burst mode on at that moment because in drone, it's not very smooth like it like it's in camera. Like it, 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 there is a slight time lag. So you would have to time your shot in a way that if you want the car to be at the exact place where you want, you would probably have to guess the speed of the car and put um, press your shutter like half a second to one second before it's in the desired place so that the time lag adjusts for it. So I did that and uh, I got a few photos. I mean, I was just looking at the picture in a small phone screen which looked good at the moment i saw that these are the pictures which got some really good colors otherwise like I, in iceland we were actually having overcast weather most of the time and then i i just forgot about it i took other pictures took my drone back and everything i i didn't really think i got anything special at that time like i didn't really think so i thought that yeah that's some picture with color maybe i'll just go home and try to edit it and see how it turns out came back home after the trip uh, I think it was after one week I edited that image. It looked beautiful because I think I, I had like 10, 15 images of that place. Only one of them had the car placed perfectly. And that picture also had the lighting so perfect that it, it was pretty, I mean, it was just like a five minute edit. Like I, I didn't really have to do much and it looked pretty nice to me at that time. Like I was also editing all my images from Iceland. It was just one week after I'm back and I had a lot of Aurora shots, which I was really fascinated about. Like I didn't really care a lot about this particular picture. I just liked it. That's it. When I put it out in my social media, everybody was amazed at what they are looking at. Like people started asking me that, what is this? Is this a cake? Is this, I'm like, how can this be a cake? And, uh, <laughs> And uh, somebody asked that, is this a reflection? I mean, like, I mean, I was curious that how are you finding this point of views? Like, I don't see it as a reflection or a cake or anything else. And I ended up at the same time, like, well, I shared the photo in Instagram and Facebook. I also shared in Reddit at that time. And uh, I, I never used to share pictures in Reddit. I think probably that was the first one I and I shared. I had no idea why I did it. and. Uh, it got so popular, one of the guy commented that I believe this picture belongs in a museum. I really hope that uh, you use the picture to its full potential. And I was surprised that, I mean, I at that time, I really have no idea. I mean, I, mean, I was just back from my first trip outside of the country. I was excited. I am not known as a photographer at all. Uh, and I, I was very excited 
after reading his comment and i thought that what does he mean that belongs in a museum and use that picture to the full potential and then at the same day some people reached out to me asking me to buy the prints of asking me to send the prints of that particular photo and i was surprised like that's the first time ever in my life i got a request for a print and uh, and it it just increased over the next day i think i got like four five six print request the next day and i never ever sold any of my photos so i was not sure how to sell it because most of them were located in usa i was not sure how to uh, how to edit my images so that it's perfect for printing i was not sure of anything i started digging deeper into how i can print it out and everything i made my website at that day on that very day it was like 24th or 5th of october and uh, Two three days later, I sold a print for two hundred dollars. I think that was the biggest uh, money I've ever made from photography at that time. So I was really excited that somebody spent two hundred dollars to buy my photo, and I thought that maybe that guy was correct. That maybe I can use this picture to my to its full potential, and maybe find other people who are interested in buying the prints of that photo. And I I didn't really know where to start. I didn't really know how to reach out to people. So I was uh, looking at a Instagram story of Chris Burkard. uh he mentioned that there is a contest that's happening around uh, landscape photography i opened up read the description and it kind of resonated a lot uh with that particular photo and i entered that one forgot about it completely because that was the first time i entered a photo competition i i never really expected to win anything but i ended up being second that's not really something that got me a lot of things like i mean being second did not really have any prize or any any benefits like it had a few but if i came first which was like i missed it a, by a bare margin if i came first i mean i would have i would have had the opportunity to go to colorado uh, i think denver in you know, colorado to receive my award get $3000 in cash uh also uh, i was invited to a uh, dinner with chris burkard and jimmy chin he is also uh, i think uh, he's an uh, oscar winning uh, academy award winning uh, filmmaker and i missed all of that by a narrow margin and i was surprised i think uh, the entire live ceremony uh, entire uh, uh, prize distribution ceremony got live streamed and i watched chris burkard going up on the stage announcing my name and the name of the photo and uh, i was sitting here like a child rejoicing on that day my family friends uh, everyone was there like everybody watched that some big photographer from <laughs> from the entire world is actually announcing my name and photo that was a huge huge boost in confidence that i i was no one on that day like i i just came back uh, from a trip with one photo that could be good potentially be good and that kind of reached an international stage on that day and i on that day i really thought that maybe i was not good enough for this contest but maybe i should also start participating in other contest and that's how it got started like over the next year in 2020 i was mostly stuck in my home so what i did is i used to find out all the contests that are being held on landscape and aerial photography and i participated in almost all of them like i think i participated in like 30 40 50 different contests maybe and i ended up winning something or the other in 
in a handful of them like i think i ended up winning 23 awards in total and 18 of them were for that particular photo to that to this date and i i kind of never expected it and at after a while i really understood that okay this might be the best photo i've ever taken and uh, as more and more people came to see my work, more and more people uh, saw my website, came to my website, and uh, everybody mentioned that this is something entirely unique. This is something they've never, ever seen it before. And, uh, I mean, that's just how it is. Like, that's how it started. Like, I have sold the prints of this photo all over the world in every continent except Africa. And uh, it has been one of the most one of the most successful photo i've ever taken in terms of in terms of like monetarily i would say the most successful photo i've ever taken i mean it has been everywhere like it has been and because of the contest like uh, i won some of them i came second in that one which is called the international landscape photograph of the year uh, that was probably the biggest win i've ever had uh, i got a great trophy for that and uh, on that day, I think a lot of international photographers got the, like, I, I got the recognition from a lot of international photographers that uh, because of winning, uh, and I mean, kind of runners up as uh, for that uh, ILPOTY. So that was in November last year, I think just one year back, uh, one year and one week back, maybe uh, it was around 20th November, I remember particularly. So that was that's it like that's the entire story of the photo and uh, to this date it has been like one of the most unique piece of image i've ever produced i'm not really sure if i can top that <laughs> going forward in my career well let me let me ask you this you mentioned photo competitions um winning getting the recognition H- how do you manage that recognition and those accolades to giving you the confidence in, in how good a photo versus your own personal enjoyment of a photo and knowing that, that that's a good photo that you appreciate. How do you manage those two? Uh, to be honest, that, uh, I mean, I would say while I took the photo, it, it was not planned because it was not planned. It, it wasn't, I would, it wasn't my favorite photo at that time. Like, it has become my favorite over the years because of the success it got. But at that time, when I got it, when I took the picture, it wasn't. It wasn't my absolute favorite. Like, I have a separate one which is called, which is my absolute favorite. It's also listed right now in foundation. But uh, at that time, it was not that. But over the years, I have came to realize that maybe this may not be my personal favorite photo. But this is just my most successful photo. Like, I would keep that too as separate. And right now, it has become synonymous. And it has also, I mean, the lines of that my personal favorite and the photo which has been commercially successful are like lines of slightly blurred because i i haven't had uh i haven't had a very prolonged career in photography like i mentioned it's it's just very small like i have a handful of images in my portfolio and if out of like 40 50 images if you have one image is one image which is performed like that that would definitely be i mean if not your personal favorite that would definitely be one of the favorites like i again believe that 
it has absolutely nothing to do with my photography or with how i move forward with this art form because one successful photo i think it means nothing like everybody can end up taking one successful photo what matters is that if you keep producing it if you keep producing uh, the photo in a in a constant basis that like if you keep producing photos of that sort like may not be similar like if you keep producing quality art at a consistent basis like that's when i call myself that i have succeeded as a photographer like i would not say taking one successful image which got really popular would be the end of it this is just the beginning how do you see yourself moving forward as a photographer in this art form uh going forward like i have noticed i am uh, i have also heard everywhere that uh maybe as you go along your journey in a creative field you would soon uh, find out that what exactly your style is and everybody has a unique style and if you can develop your own style and that would probably be the best thing you achieve as an artist that if somebody knows that yes this is a photo taken by dipanjana this is a photo taken by david so that is my end goal that to reach at on on, on one day i'm not sure it happens in in a in a few years i think it takes a lot of years to reach a particular position where my photo would be recognizable just by seeing it and right now my focus is mostly on aerial photography because of i think uh, mainly because of the amount of different perspectives it has to offer it is absolutely i mean it's crazy that you can basically fly to any point in the 3d space point your camera at any other point and just take a picture right the amount of possibilities are endless in terms of aerial photography whereas i feel that going ahead with the camera i mean i'm not i'm not put comparing it i just feel that i am more suited for aerial photography myself and i kind of look for images where i'm taking images of very very uh, usual things like a bridge or a river or or maybe a field just in a way that it it gives every it makes everyone wonder that what it is like like i mentioned the best thing about that photo was not the amount of success that it got but how everybody how it i mean how it initiates a conversation among the viewers like how it initiates a sense of wonder among the viewers that what exactly am i looking at like somebody asked me i think i i think i'll wrote it down somewhere that what are the different things people interpreted it as like one was definitely cake uh, i remember that others were like somebody said is it a blanket is it it feels like a knife and everything like if if not, if i'm only looking at that picture for myself i would never be able to realize that you can look at an art from from different with different eyes like from everyone's perspective it feels different to different people and i think that is something which gives me immense joy as a photographer that when somebody is looking at a picture and they ask me that oh is what is this can you explain what is this like that is when i get really excited that oh yeah this is nothing this is just a river and this then they would ask that is it really that i have never seen a river which looks like this and my answer would be like yeah i mean you are seeing the rivers only from the from a 
ground level, right? I mean, if I'm showing you the same river from ground level, you would not be, I mean, you would not be surprised. But when I'm showing you the perspective from a completely different angle, you are asking me the question of what it is. Like, that is what gives me the joy. And going forward, I think, it, I, I, I know, understand that it's a very, very uh, restricted niche. Uh, it's not easy to produce images every day, which would make people ask questions about what it is. It's definitely not easy. And, but in, in like a trip of, in a 20 day photography trip, if I'm able to produce two such images, which makes people wonder what it is, I think I would consider myself successful from my own definition. Where can people go to find more out about you? Uh, Definitely my website. I'm just uh, having a completely new design. Like my website is already live, which is called dipanjanpal.com. Uh, my, uh, I, I'm having a new redesign of my website in a week. Uh, so you can definitely go there to find out more about me. And if you also want to keep updated to my photo, I mean, it's unfortunate, but still I, I do keep posting my latest photos in Instagram, but definitely if you, if you are there in my website, you would be, uh, you would be able to find out everything that I'm doing. I'm also planning to start a newsletter sometime in, in, in a couple of weeks so that I'll be sending out one email every month where you would get to follow all the updates regarding everything that I'm doing, whether it's in terms of NFTs or other trips in general. If I'm going to new places, if I'm producing new photos, prints, discounts, and everything. So my website is going to be my identity in the internet going forward. Well, Deepanjan, thank you so much for joining us and talking photography and, and your viewpoints on things. Thank you so much, David, for hosting me. It was my first podcast ever in my life, and I really enjoyed speaking. Thank you so much. So you just heard Deepan Jampal and I talk about Indian photography, his drone photography, how he used, you know, unpredictable scenarios to create insane photographs that have won him renowned awards in landscape photography in just a short career. I think that's one of the most impressive things about him is how much he's been able to learn in such a short time. Speaking of drone photography, over on Patreon, Deepanjan and I continue to talk about his drone photography and, and some of the safety precautions around that, some of the limitations when you're traveling and how to be responsible and respectful when you are traveling with something like a drone that has other laws in other countries. And, and Deepanjan and I talk a lot about uh, you know, his research that goes into respectful drone flying within the limitations of the law when he is traveling in Patreon, plus much, much more. So again, if you want access to that bonus audio and continue to support the podcast week after week with a monthly subscription payment of five, 10 or $20 a month, get access to bonus audio plus other benefits, you can go to patreon.com slash David Johnston and get access to those plus all the bonus audio discussions from past guests as well. So I can't wait to see you guys in the next episode.